0: for your life. Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success birds, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now.
1: Well, hello, power partners, and welcome to Star Style. Be the star you are. This is our informational playground. We're coming to you live on the Voice American Network. And we are broadcasting through Be the Star You Are charity. So, hope that you're having a good uh, summer and that you're not getting too hot or getting flooded out or any of those negative things that are happening and making the best of it. Well, the miracle moment for today is brought to you by uh, Be the Star You Are. We are in our final week of doing the shoe drive. So, Go to BeTheStarYouAre.org if you have any shoes and you're in the San Francisco Bay Area that you don't want, you'd like to get to third world countries that really need them. uh, You can drop them off at either 5A Rent-A-Space or State Farm Insurance, both in Moraga. So check BeTheStarYouAre.org. And this is from Yogananda. Before embarking on important undertakings, sit quietly calm your senses and thoughts, and meditate deeply. You will then be guided by the great creative power of spirit. And after that, you should utilize all necessary material means to achieve your goal. I I really like that miracle moment and that advice because I have found over the years since I started just meditating, and I don't do any ums, and I don't have anything special that I do. It's just easy it's kind of just a gratitude meditation, that it, it does just get me quiet and it does help start my day. And it seems that when I, I do this in the first thing in the morning, and then I really know how I'm gonna tackle the day, so I recommend it. I think that's a really good piece of advice. Well, let's talk about what we're going to talk about today. In our second segment, do you have a healthy heart and do you know what the signs of distress are? I'm gonna talk to you about some of the tests that you should be doing annually, tests that you need, and also the ones that are not necessary because we wanna keep our heart pumping strongly. We have to watch our cholesterol and we just wanna make sure that we can stay healthy. So, so often we don't know how healthy our heart is and you might have, you know, an unsteady rhythm or you might have low blood pressure. You might have good cholesterol, bad cholesterol. You might be high risk. We'll get into all of that. That's in segment two. And in segment three, who doesn't love barbecue? Even if you're a vegetarian, barbecue is so great with uh, barbecued veggies. But do you know the origins of this delicious smoked cooking? From the indigenous Taino people who inhabited numerous Caribbean islands, we have this marvelous smoldering fire technique, and we're gonna go into how it all started and how it has evolved. But right now, I am so excited to talk to you about my second book in my children's book series of true stories, Stella Bella's Barnyard Adventures is the name of the series. And book two is now in bookstores. I just got my my um, stack of books this past week. The book is called Family Forever, and it's hit the bookshelves. So right now, I want to tell you a little bit about the backstory of how I rescued a squirrel, not knowing what it was, and how a tiny little chihuahua and the squirrel became best buddies. And if you want to pick up a copy of the book, of course, you can get it online. You can also ask your favorite independent bookstore or whatever bookstore you go to to um, to get Family Forever by Cynthia Bryan. Or the way I would a really great way to get it is to go to the Star Style store. You can find that at Cynthia and just click on the store. And when you go there, the money will go to Be The Star You Are charity, keep the show on the air, keep our outreach programs going, just like the shoe drive that we're doing now, as well as you will get autographed copies and you'll get some little freebies along with it. Uh, Prices are exactly the same, by the way. So you still have to, you know, you still have shipping and tax no matter where you go, unless you go into the bookstore. So. The name of this one, the first book in the series, you might remember, was No Barnyard Bullies. And that was such a fun um, book to write because that was the story of my pig, Cookie, uh, and all the animals are adopted, by the way, and a little bunny named Monet and a three-legged goat that Cookie didn't like. And then how Cookie was a bully when she was first adopted and how she became just the barnyard uh, favorite and kind of just everybody loves her. Alfred Monteper wrote this quote, animals are reliable, full of love, true in their affections, predictable in their actions, grateful and loyal. That's very difficult standards for people to live up to. So, at the, My Family Forever, it is based, again, on another true tale from my barnyard of adopted animals. And the, the little synopsis of the story is uh, how this tiny chihuahua befriends a baby squirrel after the squirrel's family is killed. And then the chihuahua introduces this squirrel to the new adopted tribe of goats and chickens and geese and ducks and rabbits and pigs. And after learning to climb trees and play with his new furred and feathered friends, and yes, the squirrel was a he. And at first, I never gave him a name because I didn't know if he would survive. But um, when I bottle fed him for several months, (laughs) and he had so much energy as he grew, I did name him Squiggly Wiggly. And so it wasn't until he met another squirrel, and then he bid farewell. But in the book, he is reminded by Stella Bella and the rest of the barnyard brood that he will always be loved because family is forever. So the backstory is a few years ago, uh, I was out gardening and I came upon what appeared to be a nest with um, these inhabitants all killed, all dead um, and torn to pieces it could have been killed by a coyote a bobcat or other predators because i live in you know on a farm we have all kinds of wild animals from um from raccoons um, foxes coyotes bobcats mountain lions skunks um all of that as well as you know there are are just uh, domestic things but i was cleaning up this mess and feeling really sad and when i heard this teeny tiny squeaking sound and I saw this itty bitty pink body hanging from a berry bush and it was just kind of going and my entire life I have been rescuing and caring for animals in distress and I didn't know what this creature was and I was hoping that it because I didn't know what it was I just was hoping it wasn't a rat and because you know i really don't mind i mean i i really love all creatures but i have to tell you wild rats um i i don't like them they they get into my chicken feed and you know they just make terrible messes and they carry diseases and i a rat just just doesn't do it for me the snakes that are in my garden i really welcome because they kill the rats and, um, and you know, other varmints. But rats, I, I don't understand the reason for their existence. So sorry to all of you out there who love rats. Now, pet rats can be different. So I'm not talking about pet rats. But I am talking about these Norwegian rats that are not good. Well, anyway, even though I didn't know what it was, and I was hoping it wasn't a rat, I wrapped it in a warm towel. And then I immediately went to the computer and began my rapid research. I was hunting for anything that kind of looked like it. And I determined from, from you know, um, I guess you'd call it Dr. Google, right? That this was an infant squirrel. And so I wanted to figure out how I could keep it alive. And I started reading everything I could. Well, it was so little at first I got an eyedropper and at first I just gave it some water. And then I read online how you could make this special formula. And then I actually got a, a doll's baby bottle as it grew and I fed it this special formula and I just put it in a shoe box, you know, with a with a towel. And I, again, I was feeding it just like every 45 minutes. And it would only take a little bit and then it would fall back to sleep and its eyes were shut. And, you know, it just it didn't move, really, but it did eat. And then it, it started growing and it started growing this beautiful bushy tail. And as it grew, it, it just became quite the ball of energy. And I realized that it had matured into a he and he would. So I'd be working here in my office. And um, and in fact, I would even have him on my lap sometimes when I was doing my radio shows and as he grew, he would just like run around my desk and then he would sit on my shoulder and sit on my head. And but his favorite thing was to dive into my pocket and hide. And he just as I said, he just had so much energy. I decided to name him Squiggly Wiggly because he was just squiggling and wiggling everywhere now um if you want to see photos from the you know not from day one but maybe from day 27 you can go to my website cynthiabryan.com, but go to cynthiabryan.com forward slash books and on the book family forever you'll be able to see a lot of different photos and I've been trying to upload the video of uh, when uh, Dulce the dog and he became friends. But anyway, he, the the squirrel came with me everywhere. He spent time with me in the barnyard, and he would just play with all the other adopted animals. But his best buddy was something, or was an animal that would be very unlikely. It was a female chihuahua named Dulce Pera. Now, Dulce did not chase, um, did not chase Squiggly Wiggly it was the other way around. (laughs) Dulce would sniff squiggly wiggly and then squiggly wiggly would chase Dulce around the barnyard. And when squiggly wiggly tired, I used to have to put on, as squiggly wiggly was getting bigger, I would put on this big green robe, like a terry cloth, but a really thick green robe. It looked like a tree. And he would just run up and down my robe as if it was a tree. He, that's, I think this is how he was learning to climb because he was afraid of trees. He would not go to a tree. He would not climb a tree. He probably thought he was a person, I am, uh, I'm assuming. But in any case, he would climb in my robe and I had these big, deep pockets. And when he was tired, he would just dive into my pocket and his big, bushy tail would be hanging out. I'm sure it was sort of like the ostrich that sticks its head in the sand and thinks that its body is, um, you know, is completely covered. It was the same thing. Uh, And then Dulce, the dog, would be barking at the tail. And I'm sure Squiggly Wiggly couldn't figure out how Dulce knew where he was. But anyway, yes, his claws got really sharp. And that's why I had to don that thick green robe, uh, because otherwise I was getting so scratched up. And he was really afraid to climb actual trees and had to learn. So I started teaching him by just getting a branch and putting him on the branch. And it was very funny just to watch how, uh, how afraid he was. But I do have tree climbing goats. So the tree climbing goats, um, you know, they taught him how to climb the trees. So that was a little bit fun. To watch is the how the squirrel would climb with the goats. Now everybody who met Squiggly Wiggly absolutely fell in love with him because he was just so sweet. And his favorite thing to do was to, if he liked you, which he seemed to like uh, most everybody, he loved to sit on your head. And sometimes um, he would have accidents on your head, but nobody seemed to be to mind about that. But We were definitely his adopted chosen family. And um, we just played every day. So he would, you know, do piggyback rides on the pigs and he'd hop with the bunnies and he would chase the chickens. And of course, but his favorite was always dulce. They just played and played together. But one day um, I was working out in the yard uh, with all the animals. And I whenever I had uh, squiggly wiggly around, I always had to put this big green robe on because uh, his claws, you know, and I didn't want to cut him because he's a squirrel and he was always free. By the way, I built him uh, a little house and I did put the house in a tree. And after he learned how to climb the tree and so he would stay in the tree at nighttime, you know, looking at the stars and then during the day he and Dulce would play or he'd play with the animals but he would go up to his tree at nighttime, and he had a stuffed animal a little another little stuffed it looks like a squirrel that he he just loved and he would cuddle up with that and that's where he lived but one day when we were out uh, playing he climbed up my robe and he came and he sat on my shoulder and he just started chattering and i never really knew that squirrels talked so much. And now I'm very um, uh, uh, keen to their conversations because I hear them all the time. But he just chattered in my ear. And I was looking at him and I said, Squiggly, I do not understand squirrel speak. I don't understand what you're saying. And he just kept chattering. And then he ran down my robe. He ran over to um, to this deck. And then he... He looked at me and he ran back. He dove in my pocket. He got a walnut. And I saw over in the oak tree, there was another little squirrel. So he ran back up my robe. He came on my shoulder. He chattered in my ear. And I realized he was saying goodbye. He was saying, I would even do So I said, ciao, squiggly. He brought that that nut over, he set it down for this other little squirrel. I assume it was a little female squirrel. (laughs) And as you would say, the rest is history. He just ran, they both ran up the oak tree together. And um, that was that. Well, family has always been of utmost importance to me. I, I believe that nurturing relationships are so essential to a healthy life. And those relationships begin in childhood. And as children, we depend on family dynamics to help us form our character, our morals and our beliefs. So my hope with writing this series of true tales in Stella Bella's Barnyard Adventures, that through the voices and actions of the animals, that children will learn courage and kindness and compassion and acceptance and inclusion and love. Because the animal kingdom is just filled with timely and timeless tales that are so relatable to humans. And the animal family of Stella Bella's Barnyard Adventures experiences complex encounters and it challenges their integrity, their individuality, their character, but it also amplifies an assortment of expressions and original viewpoints to coexist as a group. The barnyard animals address critical issues that every child faces, including bullying, power struggles, adversity, adoption, sadness, homelessness, creativity, justice, health, kindness, ethnicity, and being different. And it's all through a cultural lens of hope and resolution. Now, the books, both Family Forever and No Barnyard Bullies, they have gorgeous, visual, rich illustrations that will inspire, motivate, and move children to appreciate all animals while learning the lessons that the natural world teaches. I was very fortunate to work with such a talented illustrator, Jensen Russell, and we'll be doing a couple more books together, and maybe more, I would hope so. So I do hope that you will consider picking up a a copy of Family Forever and the first book, No Barnyard Bullies. Because when you do, you will enjoy the not only the barnyard, but these true tales of animals that you will find are very applicable to ourselves and to what we are trying to achieve in the world. Because the animals have so many different kinds of feelings. And yes, the animals can be bullies, but they can also learn to be kind. And this is what we want to all learn, to be kind, to be inclusive, and to be loving. And just as an after, it's interesting that families of squirrels come and sit on the fence at the barnyard. And I always say, squiggly wiggly, is this your brood? And they seem to just look on and chatter away. And since I never, squiggly wiggly was always free. And Squiggly Wiggly, I never put a collar or, a, you know, or any ring or anything on Squiggly. I can't tell if it's Squiggly Wiggly or not. But I like to believe that Squiggly Wiggly and his family still come back to see his adopted family. Well, you're listening to Cynthia Bryan, this is Star Style, Be The Star You Are. During the break, visit the website and pick up some copies of these books. Go to CynthiaBryan.com and click on the store. And you can read a lot more and see a lot of great pictures of both no, no the the true stories of No Barnyard Bullies and Family Forever, CynthiaBryan.com. We'll be right back, so don't go away.
0: Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. 925377 star express yourself follow voice america at facebook.com forward slash america for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts it's power time on star style be the star you are with your passion purpose and possibility producer cynthia bryant Now back to the power party. This business of show. Well, this will
1: be a health party for you. I'm Cynthia Bryan, and you're listening to Star Style. Be the star you are. You know, our health is wealth. We know that. I know it's a cliche, but it is really, really true. And um, we tend to take our health for granted until we don't have it anymore. But heart health is really, really in, in very important because. Our heart is uh, pumping away and trying to keep the rest of our body, you know, working properly. But there are so many tests that c- uh, claim to grade our heart's performance. And that's good, but we don't need to have all these tests. So we wanted to kind of zero in on which are the tests that you need, which ones can you skip, which ones will save you time. And which ones are going to keep you a little bit stress free? Um, And, you know, you again, if you get too stressed out, that's not good for your heart. So let's start with the basics. Now, even if you are completely healthy and you think you're healthy, we still need to do a few tests um, just to be proactive. And sometimes we might have to change our lifestyle or we might have to take medication. So one test that everyone should be getting is a cholesterol panel. This blood test measures your total cholesterol, your triglycerides, your LDL, that is the bad cholesterol, and your HDL, that is the good cholesterol. Now, most doctors focus on that LDL because that has been the most closely tied to the risk of heart attack and stroke. So your specific LDL goal depends on how many risk factors you might have for heart disease. But in general, a level greater than 130 um, megs of the the LDL is considered elevated. So you want to start this check early, you know, at least at age 20. And then you want to get it at least every three years unless you're at more risk. Now, for example, in uh, my family, uh, my family, everybody just seems to have high cholesterol. But the interesting thing is that we have high HDL. We have really high good cholesterol. But if, evidently, even if you have really high good cholesterol, um, just having the, and having the LDL, which is the bad cholesterol, I'm not sure it all balances out. So you definitely want to get it checked and talk to your doctor. The next one that you want to do is a blood pressure check. Now high bre- blood pressure in your arteries, it actually wears them down and it increases the buildup of plaque, which is what causes heart attacks. So you want to get your blood pressure checked every year at the doctor's office, or maybe even if you think that you have high blood pressure or you're concerned, you want to get your own cuff. And you uh, ideally you want to get a, a list of accurate ones and then aim for less than 120 over 80. So that is like a good 120 over 80 is what your blood pressure But I think it's a good idea to actually get one. They're not expensive, these cuffs. And from time to time, just take your blood pressure. But you wanna make sure that you don't take your blood pressure after you've been exercising or you're stressed or something like that. You wanna make sure that you're relaxed when you're doing it. The next test is for diabetes. It is an A1C test because diabetes greatly increases the rate of plaque buildup in your arteries. And the easiest way to screen for diabetes is a hemoglobin A1c test. And that reflects your average blood sugar over several months. Now, it can be done with a cholesterol panel, which is what I talked about first. So normal is below 5.7. Now, prediabetes is between 5.7 and 6.4. And anything above 6.4, is an indicator for diabetes. And diabetes has so many ill effects. So this is a really important test to get because you might not know that you have diabetes. You know, people think that, oh, you're going to crave sweets or something. But that's not always the case. Now, the next one is a, the ASCVD risk estimator plus test. Now this one you can do online and if you're 40 or older what you do is you would plug the blood pressure and your cholesterol into the calculator at there's uh, there's some tools yet you can go to uh, acc.org and then forward slash the ASCVD risk estimator plus. Um, So the estimator, what it does is it'll estimate your chances of a heart attack or a stroke within the next 10 years, and then it determines how aggressive you need to be about getting your numbers down. So for example, lower risk people might try just some lifestyle changes, while people at higher risk may need to get medications, and if you're in the middle the tests in um, that I'm going to talk about will help you uh, clarify what to do next. Now, again, when I say all these tests, I mean, you should definitely be talking to your internist or your doctor to make sure that you can get these tests. So if you do this estimator, let, so if you already did the um, cholesterol panel, the blood pressure check, and the diabetes uh, check, and then you plugged in those numbers to the estimator or... If you get all this done at your doctor's office, they usually plug it into an estimator for you, and they will give you a, your percentage of uh, risk factor. But if these, those tests bring up any questions, so like when the numbers from your initial tests are saying, um, they're, they're not yelling at you like, oh, you have to have a lifestyle change or you need medication. So, maybe you just need to do a couple of other tests to see what else you might need. So, one is the Lipoprotein A test, and it is also a type of cholesterol which is associated with an elevated risk of heart disease. But this LPA test is not measured in your classic panel because there's really not enough data to support broad testing for everybody. So, they They actually, doctors usually don't ask for it unless they think that you might be at high risk or you're already getting some treatment to reduce risk. But this number can be really helpful in recalibrating your risk assessment, especially if you have a strong family history of heart attacks. And what does family history mean? It means your mother, your father, or your sibling had a heart attack before the age of 55. So LPA levels are stable over time. So you only ever have to get it checked once. So if you think that you are at risk, it would be a great idea to ask your doctor for an LPA uh, test. The next one is your calcium score. Now, this number strongly predicts your future risk of a heart attack and is calculated based on a CT scan of your chest. The radiologist measures the amount of calcium, which is a sign of plaque, that's in the arteries that supply your heart with blood. So instead of just looking at risk factors for heart disease, you are actually measuring if disease is present. So a score of zero means no plaque or very low risk. And then uh, if it's above a hundred, it means higher risk. Now, you might be wondering why doesn't everyone get this test? Well, it's because there's radiation involved. So doctors tend to avoid any radiation um, when the chances of it are you know are extremely of, of having um, a heart attack are extremely low. So if your risk factor is already clearly low, then you probably don't need it. But if it's high, this is probably a great, a really great test, this calcium score. But be aware of one thing. Sometimes this test is not covered by insurance. So you might wanna find out how expensive it is and you may it may behoove you to contact your insurance company to see if it will be covered by insurance. But on the flip side of that, if you are at high risk and it's not covered by insurance, in my opinion, it's always a good idea to get the test, to cut back, you know, budget somewhere else. Because (laughs) if you get a heart attack and you die, you know, you're not going to have any money anyway because you can't take it with you. So it's so much better to be able to pay for a test and find out what your risk factors are. Now, if you are already having any kind of symptoms, like if you have any spasms of chest pain, if you have any mild shortness of breath, or every once in a while, if you feel like your heart is fluttering, um, you know, don't blow it off, Don't, don't wait. You have to get tested. So these have to be done at a doctor's office or a hospital, and these tests will reveal what's going on and why. So one is an electrocardiogram, we call it an ECG. Now the ECG's electrodes measure the electrical signals from your heart and this test is widely done because it's easy, it's harmless, and it's very inexpensive. The image of your heart's rate and its rhythm can reveal any arrhythmias like atrial fibrillation uh, and that happens prior to a heart attack. And it can tell you a lot more. Now, the bad side of it is that there are um, there are false positives. So what that means is there are normal findings that could turn out to be nothing. So as a result, an ECG is not recommended as a re- routine test. Although I do know that most, I mean, many doctors still do it. I'm a, a, at my doctor. We do it, and I'm happy to do it. Now, some smart watches do ECGs as well, and this function is really useful, especially if you're having palpitations. If the watch doesn't detect any trouble, um, it, it could be that you're okay, but if it detects trouble, definitely make an appointment with a, a doctor. Now, the other one is an echocardiogram. Now this just means it's an ultrasound of the heart and it offers a look at your heart valves along with the size, the function and the configuration of the four chambers. So an echo is most helpful when you have symptoms of any kind of heart failure or if you're having shortness of breath or swelling because it can clearly show problems like a prior heart attack or uh, a cardiomyopathy. Now an echocardiogram is not used as a general screening test since it's time-consuming and it rarely reveals anything useful when you feel fine. And if you have no history of heart disease, you don't need an echocardiogram. So again, these tests that I'm talking about are only if you feel you're having any kind of symptom. Again, a spasm, a chest pain, Um, mild not uh, not a major but mild shortness of breath or some heart flutters another test that you could get is a stress test and if you love to exercise (laughs) maybe you want to just show off (laughs) what happens is you get wired up to an ECG you run on a treadmill that gets progressively faster and steeper and when you're done you may get an echocardiogram. And as your heart pounds harder and faster, it it needs more and more oxygen-rich blood. And when the arteries nurturing your heart are clogged with plaque, they can't meet that demand. So that results in chest discomfort, abnormal peaks and valleys on the ECG, and a reduced muscle contraction in parts of the left ventricle as seen on an ultrasound. Now stress tests are best when you're having symptoms of heart disease and normal results do not prove that your heart is plaque-free only that there isn't enough plaque to cause symptoms. Now I do know people who have gone through this stress test and these have been athletes that I know and actually end up having a heart attack while doing it. the good news was is that they were in the hospital or at their doctor's office and they were able to be um, saved. But that's kind of scary to to think that, you know, you're going through this because what if you were on a, a bike or what if you were running and you had that heart attack? And then another test is a cardiac catheterization. Now this is a very invasive test for plaque. So this is actually, a, a Test that is generally performed when you are having a heart attack or sometimes as a follow up to an abnormal stress test. Because what a doctor has to do is they thread a tube to the heart through an artery in your wrist or in your groin, and then they inject X ray contrast into each of the arteries that supply the heart muscle with blood. And because they're doing that with that thread in there, it's possible. To get, um, to get the information that they need. Now, sometimes you might be able to get similar info from a CT scan of the heart, though those aren't widely available yet. Now, here are a couple of tests that most likely you do not need. You don't need a, um, a, a, a carotid artery ultrasound. Now, although an ultrasound that shows plaque in your carotid arteries can indicate a higher risk of heart disease, it is not as good as a calcium score. So get a calcium score instead. The carotid scan is more helpful if you've had a stroke or if your doctor has some other reason to suspect plaque buildup in that artery. But in general, you do not need that. The other one you don't need is a genetic heart risk test. Someday these might provide actionable intelligence for heart disease prevention, but at the moment, the most common heart diseases come from the intersection of many different genes and lifestyle habits. And they don't come from a single gene uh, mutation that these panels typically report. So I really wouldn't worry about those. So I hope that you will follow up with your doctor and get some of these basic tests and then decide whether you need to just keep going the way you are or if you need to do a, a little bit adjustment in your lifestyle, or maybe you might need some medication in, or you just might need to be followed or have more tests. But in any case, let's keep our hearts healthy and let's just keep them pumping. Well, you're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style Be the Star You Are. We're gonna come back with a business bite, and then after that, in segment three, ooh, it sounds delicious. We're gonna talk about barbecue. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. I'm Cynthia Bryan, and this is Star Style. Be the Star You Are. Stay with me.
0: Be the Star You Are the Star. your world, change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan.
1: Today I have a few ways that you can make friends and find success, maybe even find love, even maybe lose weight, shape up, you know, defeat stress, discover your purpose, and just shine a light on you. First, make a room for reflection. And this is where the meditation comes in. The best way to start is to start. And when you do, dive in with passion. Make sure to open your heart and your mind. You don't want to be closed off. Stay active and involved. Play more, laugh more, giggle. Ask for help. That's a sign of strength. Keep looking forward. No use looking in the rearview mirror. Give compliments often and be grateful. Gratitude is definitely a positive attitude. Remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another Business bite from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. That's Cynthia Bryan, Bryan with an I, dot com.
0: The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. Be are.org. Dare to care. You are the star. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryant. Now, back to the power party. This business of show.
1: Well, many thanks for staying with me. Now it is party time. Barbecue party time. Barbecue party time. Oh, um, I don't know about you, but I think everybody loves barbecue. It is my favorite thing, and I do it all year round. Of course, we live here in California, but even if it's raining. I love to just um, pull out the barbecue and, you know, the shrimp on the barbie, right? But many people don't know where barbecue really started. And in the Caribbean, low and slow cooking is rooted in that expansive power of smoke. It is the hallmark of really good barbecue. Now, Raman Gameshram is a journalist, a chef, and he's the author of a cookbook called Sweet Hands Island Cooking from Trinidad and Tobago. And he talks about a lot of the history, and and I really loved hearing it. So smoke carries the aromas of cooking meat and the earthy warming flavors of allspice. It interlaces with the bright flavors and the tender bites of vinegar marinated, right? Um, But most food scholars, are when they look at where did barbecue come from, the Caribbean is the keeper of one of the world's oldest barbecuing traditions. And smoke has always been at the heart of it. So the scholars uh, say that it was the Taino, that was the indigenous people who inhabited various Caribbean islands, including Puerto Rico, Jamaica, Cuba, and the uh, Dominican Republic, And they were responsible for creating the first documented examples of the cooking technique that we now call barbecue now if you read stories of christopher columbus and i um for a very long time on cruise ships i did a lecture that was um all about christopher columbus and and the taino indians And you'll remember that that was the first um, and he thought he was going to India. That's why he named him the Indians. But they the Taino were the first uh, indigenous group that Christopher Columbus came in uh, in association with. Now, the Taino people had a system. What they did is they dug a fire pit. They made a grate of green wood that was lashed with fibers and then they started a slow fire in the fire pit. They placed the meat to be cooked on the wood frame above the slow fire, and they called the process Barba BQ. B-A-R-A-B-I-C-U, which actually in their language means sacred pit. European colonizers were the first to document some of these traditions. And they started observing the indigenous people slowly cooking their fish and their vegetables. And, of course, there were iguanas, which were considered a delicacy. And they were cooking them on these raised platforms above a smoldering fire. Now, the Taino word barbecue, I mean, B-A-R-A-B-I-C-U, but it sounds, I mean, it, it's pronounced like barbecue, gave rise to the Spanish term barbacoa which eventually made its way into English as barbecue. <laughs> so the word barbecue traveled to the continental US where it was applied to pick cooking techniques. And it became used by our Native Americans on the mainland, where like in places like Virginia, whole or large pieces of animals would be held in place with sticks poked in their sides and they were cooked over a trench that was filled with hardwood or even with burning coals. And although the word barbecue was applied to both, the style of cooking that emerged from the Caribbean was different um, because the first observance of barbecue was a raised platform over a slow fire, which is rather different from a pit method that developed out of the American South. Now, um, not so long ago a couple of years ago I was in Cuba and went on this huge horseback trek back into the hinterlands and part of it was we ended up in the middle of nowhere where they were doing this um very much like the Taino the Taino indigenous people they were doing their barbecue and it was so incredible to the smells were great, but they were roasting this wild pig and um, on this raised platform with the smoldering smoke underneath it. And it was really, really delicious. And they had all the different vegetables and, and bananas and things like that that went with it. So in the Caribbean, indigenous and African communities, they started intermingling with the European colonizers who brought them to the islands. And they brought these new ingredients and new cooking techniques. So Caribbean barbecue styles developed and evolved variously across the regions. And it went to countries like Haiti, Dominican Republic, and Jamaica. And I hope I have time to talk about jerk, because when you're in Jamaica, you have to have jerk pork and jerk chicken. Oh, it's so, so good. In the Caribbean, the food tells the story of the Atlantic slave trade, because it tells of how people were stolen from one side of the world and then forcibly brought to the other side of the world. And then when these people, they traveled, um, and they tra- when people had different herbs and spices, then different people had cooking methodologies and the ability to forcibly adapt with the native people who were here or there, and they created something new. So for example, A wild game, just like the wild boar that I had in Cuba, that was the original and the most popular meat. But then when Europeans introduced poultry and domesticated pigs in the 16th and 17th century, chicken and pork became dominant choices. But many essential components of Caribbean cuisine have remained steadfast over time. So jerk, that is perhaps the region's most iconic barbecuing technique where meat is marinated or dry rubbed in um, jerk seasoning. And that can also be traced back to the Taino people, and they used allspice. Now, allspice is the berries of the p- uh, pimento tree. I remember when I first um, started using allspice, I just thought it meant all spices, you know, like I thought it was a combination of cinnamon and ginger and, um, you know, all the different uh, the different spices that you might want to put, uh, like nutmeg and that. But it's actually from the uh, berries of the pimento tree. And what they make is a paste for meat. And then plants were then cooked over pimento wood. And then chilies, you get used both sweet and hot. They have also been on regional menus for centuries. And through it all, the smoke remains the incredibly important. It acts as both a preservation agent and a flavoring component. And today, the flavors of the Caribbean are anchored in history. They also happen to be driving some of the most exciting cooking around because there are are chefs literally around the country that are taking on new ways of barbecuing And they're doing the Afro-Caribbean methods, and they're doing techniques and presentation from all different islands, and they're adding sweetness, the complexity, um, you know, to the food, uh, to the vegetables, the meats, the seafood, they're developing fruity glazes, uh, the scotch bonnets. Those are the most popular chilies that are used in all the island traditions, especially Haiti and Jamaica. They use them the most. So it, when you combine the chilies with honey and lemon juice and Dijon mustard and you make a, a glaze and then it gets blended into a, like an olive oil emulsion and then you put it on the barbecue, boy, you are talking some really good, some really good barbecue. That is definitely very distinctive barbecue. So there are a lot of different ways to be barbecuing. Now, um, I also like to barbecue fruit, especially stone fruit. So what I do with stone fruit is um, I like to put it um, right on the barbecue and with a little bit of honey. And it's looking like I think we are already out of time. For today's show. So I am going to have to end this. So thank you for joining me today on Star Style Be the Star You Are. And just remember until next week when we celebrate again, remember that love always wins and kindness always prevails and smiles will keep us happy. So be your unapologetically authentic self. Visit me at cynthiabryan.com and get some barbecue going. Thanks for joining me. Have a great week. Be-
0: you are, the star you are, be the star you are, you are the star. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain and motivate you to be the star you were born to be for more information visit starstyleradio.com and to make a donation to the charity go to bethestarur.org